Hello and welcome to the 55-1 podcast. My name is Wes Berdine and uh, I'm, I'm in a bunker with, uh, with this guy, Jeff Reuter. How are you, man? I'm good. Welcome back. How was uh, watching your mouth in Texas? Uh, no, you watch your mouth in Atlanta. That's the, but the, but you they they came here and yeah. they told you you better watch your mouth. Oh, so then true. you went to Texas, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It was good. I don't watch my mouth very much, and uh, it's just mainly a lot of drinking with my family. So hey, um, hey. on on speaking of drinking with our families, uh, which has nothing to do with this, on the phone is Alex Schieferdecker. In you're in Philadelphia, right? Yeah, I'm in Philly. Yep. Okay, you were just you were just on vacation though somewhere. Yes, I was. I was in Puerto Rico. Whoa, was that your first time in Puerto Rico? Yeah. Was it that was a trial nice. with Puerto Rico FC? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I was on trial, uh, but it didn't didn't work out. I'm afraid. That's too bad. But so uh, then on you're... trial is their social media guy. <laughs> on trial is their starting uh, starting striker. See, okay. that makes sense. I mean, because, Alex, you've got a league that's just kicking off now. Instead, you found a Plan B league to play in this year, Yeah, you? that's true. I decided that my talents were better suited to the uh, Penn Rec grad faculty staff league. Um, and so that's that's where I'll be uh, playing this, this season. Kicking some faculty ass. Good for you. Well, um, it's good to have you on here. Um, we are dealing with the... It's Monday um, after the darkness... Uh, T minus or T plus one day, I guess. Um, and uh, we are going to talk about <laughs> the darkness. Minnesota United FC getting uh, bare bottom spanked by Atlanta. Uh, you know, just just drinking the yellow snow in in Minnesota yesterday. We've got uh, some good, the bad, and the weird. We also have a good solid uh, fifty minutes on politics that we're going to do that mm. that uh, we're sure will please all of you. And uh, so it's good to be back. Um, let's uh, let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll do the good, the bad, and the weird. And welcome back to the Fifty Five One Podcast. I'm Jeff. Wes is here. Alex is there, and we're going to do the good, the bad, and the weird which is our weekly whip around of all the things that happen in U.S. soccer outside the state of Minnesota. Um, but I guess we do have one in Minnesota this week. So let's start with the good, uh, which takes place all over Europe. And by that, I mean uh, uh, Scotland, England, and Germany, which is that the kind of new anointed generation of U.S. proven talent is kicking ass. Um, Christian Pulisic, uh, Emerson Hyndman, Bobby Wood are each doing their own things in their respective leagues. Wes, it's, uh, it's fun to follow, at least. Yeah, yep. Yeah, um, Pulisic got that goal in uh, Champions League. Was that the first American goal in Champions League? I think uh, he's. Al- I think he's already maybe, scored yeah. in Champions League, hasn't he? Maybe not. I thought maybe in like uh, the the group stage, but I don't know about knockout oh, right. stage. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but Emerson Heinemann, uh, I was, was talking to uh, our friend uh, David Smith, who's a, a Scott and a big Rangers fan, and he's been saying that everyone's in love with Emerson Heinemann. Um, his first match, he completed fifty of fifty goal, uh, passes, fifty fifty goals. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds 50 like of, yeah. Atlanta United yeah, caliber exactly. finishing. Yeah. yeah, fifty of fifty uh, passes, and he um, he took a shot that was uh, parried and uh, finished. So he got the assist for the the goal that that uh, got the draw in the Old Firm Derby this uh, past weekend, and then finally Bobby Wood gets the game winner for Hamburg, and Hamburg have just been. 
uh, Minnesota United bad. Actually, no, because they actually won a game. But they've been bad, and uh, and so Bobby Wood gets gets a goal. Uh, it's it, it's great. I wonder if he's going to he's he can't stay at Hamburg very long. Whether it's uh, whether it's moving to a bigger Bundesliga club or or one of these uh, American clubs just clamoring for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever whenever the uh, MLS expands to Honolulu. Um, they'll bring him home as as a homegrown or or something like that. But did you see any of these games, Alex? Or do you watch a lot of these Yanks abroad kids? Yeah, I watched the old firm um, derby, um, which was which was easily the roughest, most ridiculously aggressive game of soccer I've watched in a long, long time. Um, I think my favorite descriptor for tackles in any game of soccer is agricultural, and there were yes. a lot of those types of tackles in this game. I mean, it was really ugly, extremely exciting soccer. Um, yeah, Rangers Rangers with the draw. They, they kind of escaped um, because right after they equalized, um, the referee didn't give Celtic a penalty that was like 100% a penalty. But the referee didn't give it. Draw. Well, Heinemann really, he is really impressing them out there. I mean, he's he's the only player on that team who can pass or shoot or basically do anything with the ball. So it's, it's pretty just, exciting for him. Just reiterates to me that no American players should go play in the EPL. Or, I mean, the Scottish League? Or, no, in the EPL. Yeah. Cause oh, yeah, yeah. They go, they go to the championship and they can play. They go to and, – and it's not – I mean, some of it is quality, yes. But Emerson Heinemann – you know, some of it's Bournemouth is in a pr- tricky spot and they can't, you know, for, but just they're not going to get the run out they, they need. Just go go to France, go to anywhere, yeah. go to Yugoslavia, especially not, not a Yugoslavia. Country, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's let's go to the bad. This is this is something that uh, Jeff, you broke yesterday during the match because Don Garber was. He was he, t- he was talking to the media, right? He just kind of yeah huddled you guys up. There for a was bit. a there was a halftime media scrum with uh, Commissioner Garber, where he was uh, I mean answering a lot of questions from the local media. And so there's a lot of TV cameras there asking, "How's the weather? How is it for a New Yorker to be here? Is this the atmosphere you expected?" And I snuck in there with the 2017 expansion clubs are playing. What's going on with 2018? And he's just immediately like, "Well, Los Angeles FC will be joining without a partner next year. That's something that uh they'll be going alone, and uh, then we'll we'll try to figure out." Teams 25 and 26 after and i'm sitting there looking around like no one else realizes that this is new yeah uh okay so i let him finish his quote quick turn my phone around with the mic still on i'm just tweeting just like kermit the frog on a typewriter like ba 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 send it's my favorite kind of tweeting thank you it's the one i specialize i don't, I don't in. use my thumbs i do the i do the you floppy wrists and yeah. see what happens yeah and uh so anyway the, the the news of this and what's bad or why it's bad uh los angeles fc will be joining mls as the 23rd club alone, without a 24th to match. They've been expected to be Miami, Beckham, United, FC, abroad, abridged. Um, but that project looks to be on life support right now, as it has been for the last two and a half years. Um, I think it's I think it's basically a score at this point of years. Yeah, a full score, almost. Yeah. And now, I mean, the question is, and why I think this is bad, we're back to an unbalanced schedule for the first time since... Before New York and Orlando, um, which it's not that long, I guess. But uh, it's an unbalanced conference, unbalanced schedule. And if they had just kind of bit the bullet and said, you know what? 
they're not ready. You throw in Sacramento in 2017, and then you throw in Minnesota in 2018. Or you throw Minnesota in 2017, Sacramento in 2018, something like that. It could have been worked out with more planning, but the way it is now, we're going to look at a 23-team league in 2018. Does that that mean we go east, you think? Or does does, sporting go east? Well, it sucks because now one conference is going to be 12, one's going to be 11, so maybe they'll just be like, why would you move them? Yeah. So that might not even move Minnesota for next year or the year until the year after. If Unless they know that 2019 is going to be Sacramento or something. Correct. Like Sacramento and San Diego and St. Louis or something. I don't know. Uh, Alex, you've spent many a time trying to draft up the conferences uh, into divisions again if there's going to be a central. Um, I think you and Jake went back and forth on that about a year ago. Um, what do you what do you make of this, of Los Angeles joining solo with Chicharito probably in 2018? <laughs> um. Well, I, th- I it's not it's it's news in the sense that this is the first time that MLS has said it, but I think people basically expect it to happen because we've heard so little about Miami, and I I, I think that for whatever is in it, I think that the Minnesota experience is one that MLS is going to try in the future to not repeat and not have so quick a turnaround between officially joining the league and then playing. I think that that is something that they're clearly not wanting to do with 2018 and and a club like Sacramento or Cincinnati who could potentially affect that turnaround. Um, I mean, I do want to, I do want to state because this, this was going, this comes up every week when uh, we talk about the, the quick turnaround, the quickest turnaround ever. Uh, It's, it's a it's an own goal. The team, you know, oh, when it was the beginning of the summer and we were like, why haven't they announced it yet? That was the team. It, well, MLS was ready to announce whenever. That was the team not announcing. And that was the, the frustrating part where it's the team, I gather, um, I, I, I'm very pretty confident in this. The team uh, was waiting to get more leverage on the legislature they didn't want to say oh we're announcing and then have the legislature go well why would we need to give why would we need to do this stuff whether or not they need to do that um the the fact is the team minnesota united has prioritized getting the stadium done which i think is kind of understandable but the knock-on effect has been well we'll talk about the disaster i just i think mls you know they they want i think that the expansion process is more involved than a lot of fans think and it's a lot it's also it's also based on stuff like market fundamentals in a way that mls fans don't really think about a lot but the point is is that mls has decided that they do not want to be rushed into this basically and so they're they're willing to put up with the unbalanced schedule for as long as it takes um because they i think rightly would prefer that to having a team come into the league, team in a market come into the league that isn't ready for it. All right, that's it. Agreed. Yeah, I think it's a, that's a good I think it's a good good decision. You know, as as annoying as as these things are, uh, I think it it's smart, but Yeah. Let's, and then the the weird is probably the most intimate weird that we've ever had. So, Wes, I'm going to let you start and finish this thought in about 45 seconds. This is yeah, this is just the the weird was that uh one of my close friends uh told me that he was at a, a Jens Lechman concert. Uh, Jens is a, a Swedish uh, pop singer-songwriter, and he was wearing a Minnesota United t-shirt, and uh, Alfberger, Alfie, our boy, 
what just like walks up to him and he's at the concert and starts talking to him and uh i just i just i thought it was hilarious that i was like oh yeah of course like the guy doesn't have really you know he just moved here doesn't really know anyone he's gonna go to his i'm sure he's buddies with yen's like i don't know so he goes to the show and i just i realized that we should all now just check the concert listings because when cigaros come to town well they're icelandic so maybe they won't but you know when when any of these guys come to town you know you'll be able to meet uh, Bjork. Uh, Bjork, yeah. When no Bjork's Icelandic. God, again. so we're just stuck with the ice. So <laughs> Gilfie Sigurdsson, we will pander to you with concerts until you show I'm, up. I'm, yeah, now I'm suddenly blanking on uh, on all all the other Abba. Swedish. Uh, Abba Swedish. Oddish, uh, Abba are you right? When Abba come to town, actually, you know what? I'll bet Alfie would be at that. Totally. So I just I thought it was a funny story, and so everyone should go go check the the listings and, and let us know what the well, and then let Alfie know as well. He'll probably be excited. Uh, what the he he's, he'll be on his crutches, but he'll want to know. And uh, and then uh, Demidov might have some more time on his hands. <laughs> so uh, uh, let's let's take a break and yeah. come back, and then we'll wipe all the joy out of our hearts and, and delve deep into the into the darkness. <laughs> Welcome back to the 55-1 podcast. It's Minnesota United time, and let's start with the good part of this. Let's get some uh, good vibes going in. Yesterday was the inaugural MLS home opener at TCF Bank Stadium, 4 p.m. on a Sunday. Um, I just learned, this is actually not a good thing, I just learned, and I, I think I should have read this from the Pioneer Press or whoever did this article, that Minnesota United, part of their lease with TCF Bank Stadium is that they can't play when school is in session. Oh, okay. Did you know that? No. Alex, did you know this? Um, I knew that they, well, the the, the schedule is super duper slanted in the summer. I, I thought that that was um, like they, they just had to tiptoe around the football games. I didn't know it was no. the school session. You've been spring, holding out on spring us, break. Man. April 1st. So actually, I was talking to someone last night, and they were like, yeah, didn't you guys write about this? And I was like, nope, that was not one of our articles. No, it was not. So apparently, I was not reading whoever's article it was. I think this was probably in the one that the the article that talked about how they're paying a million dollars a year, etc. That's a pretty crappy deal. But anyway, so let's go to the good parts. Yesterday, the home opener, uh, 35,000 people, I would say... It probably was between 25 and 30 who were actually in the stadium, but it was cold as hell. 19, coldest game in MLS history. Snowy. It was something that if you had some young kids, you probably were like, we're not going to this game. Right. I, I was actually surprised at how big the crowd was, and I was really surprised at how big the crowd can, stayed. You know, when the fifth goal went in, you saw some lines going for the door, but it was probably. I mean, still, even after that, to the end of the game, it was probably still 20,000 people in the stands, which, yeah. I mean, I, I literally, I genuinely thought, what if I lose a toe? Because I was wearing sneakers and not boots. Well, that's, I looked not, around that's and, your fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. But I looked around okay. and, and, well, Lydia uh, was like, why are you wearing sneakers? And I was like, I, I don't know. I've never really... Name drop, by uh, the way. Yeah. Yeah, totally named out my wife. I, I was like, I don't know. I don't usually stand outside for three hours in 19-degree weather. So, Yeah, me so, neither. 
It was a good day. I, I, Alex, what were the what were the optics from afar? It looked great. It really looked. I mean, this is the dream. This has been my personal dream. I, I know I'm not alone. For years, has been that Minnesota would open an MLS and there would be just a, a huge snowstorm. Uh, it's perfect, um, and it looked the the way the cameras angled basically didn't show the upper deck. Um, where there were less people, obviously, because they only sold, so sell the lower bowl. Um, and so it looked really full, and the crowd was very well mic'd, and so you could hear the fans basically for the entire game. And I, I saw some comments on Twitter. People were like, you know, I can't believe people, this is like the happiest-sounding crowd I've ever seen supporting a team that's down, you know, yeah. One one four or one five. Yeah. It, it was great. It looked. It good. was still a pretty fun party, even even at the end. I mean, there were moments where, uh, my my mind slipped into the the bad darkness, not the good darkness. Uh, but you know, pe- people were still having fun. Uh, I I made the mistake of taunting uh taunting Atlanta by telling them that. Portland beat us 5-1. They're not as good. So it's your <laughs> fault. That, that really backfired on me. So yes, it did. I'm going to just take that one on me, guys. I apologize. But uh, Well, let's talk about that. So they lost 6-1. They're absolutely put on ice by Atlanta. Um, Joseph Martinez got a hat trick. Uh, Miguel Almiron got a brace and an assist for a gentleman's hat trick. He got my vote, at least, for player of the week this week. Um, and then uh, Jacob fucking Peterson... Uh, just about as much aplomb as Leap and Larry Olam the week before ended up scoring against us as well. Um, so those are the ones that are toughest to stomach for me. Not when you have these designated players scoring hat tricks or braces, but when guys like Jacob Peterson, Lawrence Olam, guys who could totally have been on Minnesota United, uh, end up scoring against them. It's a little bit harder to swallow. They got the six. Kevin Molino scored on a penalty kick. Um, I was up in the press box, at least, but it did look like a penalty from what yeah. I saw. It was, it was a definite yeah, clear it was, penalty. It was a good call. Yeah. Uh, Colin Warner was taken down um, by... Uh, it was Gonzalez Molino. Molino got taken down, actually. Was it? It looked yeah. like yeah, Warner. Yeah, it was okay. Molino. And there was another... There was another... Uh, in in the second half, there was another um, takedown where Christian got pulled down by, um, by a defender. Johan. Yeah, Johan? Johan got like, actually like body slammed down, hugged, and yeah. then thrown that, down. That. that was questionable. I was sitting next to a couple of representatives from Pro in the press box, and they were both just like, oh. Yeah. Uh, they, they weren't happy with that call either. I can't yeah. well, that's visualize. What I, and I, I, yeah, we don't say this as, as a. <laughs> the team was. Atlanta was by far superior. However, yes. it is, you know, there are, there are moments like that. Um, l- let's, l- let's start by, by the positives, which is that. Um, Good luck. You, <laughs> no, I think the last this is this is pathetic. Good. The last six minutes of the first half, there were two, there were two solid chances that almost went in and yes. that didn't. Yes, um, Jermaine you know, Taylor off the crossbar. Alex Khan, who um, I started a good Khan killed Spock uh, cheer in, from the in the section. Um, <laughs> uh, he had a really he had. A great day, and um, and you know, the there was there was that six minutes, and there were other moments in the game where where Minnesota finally got its its you know act together, but that was was good and it was promising, and you were like, oh, we're gonna come out of the second half. They just got the hair dryer treatment. Hopefully, it actually warmed them up. They're gonna come back out, 
And um, and they didn't. They gave up a goal, uh, you know, both at the beginning of the game right away and in the second half right away. And uh, and they were just bad. Let's talk about the bad. Well, in, in uh, both to- games, there were there was like a moment in both games where you thought that the team was in it and had a real potential to fight back. I mean, that was after the Ramirez goal in Portland, and right. and in that final sort of half of the first half when they were just building and building and it culminated with this mad scramble in front of goal where Jermaine Taylor, you know, dinked a header off the crossbar. And it was just like, it was, you know, you couldn't believe the ball didn't go in and that could have been down two, three going into half. And then, you know, it's anyone's game. And, but, but they didn't take these opportunities in either game. And in fact, they immediately threw them away in both games. So I, I guess that's the lead into the bad. Um, so the question is, uh, let, I want to hear you both, uh, talk about what you think the problem is and the, you know, is, is it players? Is it lineup? Is it tactics? Uh, where do you think the problem? And I I don't know if I should ask this about the team right now. So we talk about Portland and yesterday or just yesterday, but I guess it's basically the same question. Oh, it's second verse. Same as the first. Yeah. As far as how Sunday went. Yeah. Um, look, I think that you've got, you've got two players on that back line who I think are playing out of position. All told, you've got Taylor who's playing at fullback, whether it's right or left, and he's a center back by trade. And you've got Demidov who at his best, and Christian Hennage and I were talking about this in the off season. I think he told all of us the same thing on Twitter as well, that Demidov would be best in this league as a defensive midfielder where he's more of a sweeper. You know, and he's going side to side, and he isn't necessarily like you stay in the right side of the center back pairing, and you're facing off against Almiron. You're playing against Assad, and and both of them are playing in something that I think are the wrong positions for them. So I think that goes down to the players, which goes on the coach, but it also goes on the the, the system itself. Um, so to answer your question, yes, there you go. Yeah, Alex, do you have a? I do want to say that Demidov has played a lot of center back, though. So he it's has, not like he's but out he, of position in the. No, but I know what you're saying. Every league plays a different style, right. and I think his his playing style is best to be further up the field than yeah. where he is right now. I don't think he's a bad player. I just think that he's not in the right place to succeed right now. Alex, you start with your opening salvo. What's what's the the problem? Here? <laughs> oh, I mean, I I I've been fairly consistent about this, and I said it before the Portland game, and I said it after it and i said it before the atlanta game and i'm I'm still saying it now i i think that the i I look at the roster and i think that this could be a competitive and interesting team i think that the way they have been deployed through two games is really wrong i you know i look at preseason and when we were successful in preseason it was in the 4-4-2 slash 4-2-2-2 when we were in a when we played a four three three and we played it in three in against Vancouver and against Toronto, it was really didn't work out for us. Yep. And if you take that Toronto game and you add it to the two we've played now, we've played three straight games in a four three three, and the result has been two goals for us, fourteen goals for the other team. Yep. So, I, I, I want. I, I mean, if we. If we roll out the same formation against Colorado, I'm really not going to be pleased. This it, it it isn't working to have these three central midfielders, in, you know, in the middle of the pitch. And and I think that 
I, I don't know what it is, but it doesn't seem often like their roles are well-defined. I, I would like to get back to something a lot simpler and I think more effective. I, and I'd like to add one more attacker. I'd like to add uh, Miguel Ibarra or, or Bashkim Kadri on the left wing. I would like to have... I'd like to try to pin teams back by having more attacking firepower. I'd like to put Colin Warner right in front of the two central defenders and don't let him move. Let Rasmus Schuller roam around. And I think that the other, obviously, the obvious fixes to the defense, I mean, Jermaine Taylor is, is, is not up for it. And I think that Brent Coleman might get a shot this weekend over, over Demidov. But uh, to me, it's it's... It's a little bit of players, but in, in general, I think it's tactics, and I think that Adrian Heath, frankly, has gotten the first two games really, really wrong. Before I let uh, Justice Burdine kind of sort out where the court's going with this, I do want to say, Alex, it shows a lot of bravery for you, um, a Dutch, to admit that the four-three-three is not the best yeah. formation. No, I love the four-three-three, but it's not working for us at all. It's well, a lot of courage that you're showing today. Yeah, thank you. Know, you. Thank I, you. I, I want to talk about. The, the other aspects, but you're, you're talking about Heath and, and the tactics, and I I agree with you on, on, on parts of this, but what came out against Atlanta was the, the biggest bizarre change. Well, you had two. One is moving Jermaine Taylor more over to the left, um, which was putting a guy... It, it's more natural for him, mm-hmm. but it's putting a guy who um, was not good against Portland in place of Justin Davis, who I, I thought didn't have a very good game but was not really bad. Right. I think that he was uh he was maybe just slightly below average of what, you know. Um I think that we should have a better left back in there for for Justin Davis. I think there should be a better starter but so that said, you had um Mo Saeed in the left wing and I, I actually didn't notice that for most of the game. <laughs> Eventually it was like, "Wait, what's he doing out there?" Um but that's probably just the the surly speaking. Um that makes no sense to me. I, I uh, you know, for whatever Mo Saeed's uh, abilities are, and actually Mo did put in a couple of decent crosses. Um, he did some of his job pretty well. Um, but M- Miguel could do that. It's you not know, like it's just not fair to to Mo Saeed. I mean, he did his job well, but that's not his job. Yeah. Right. And and I should also say the 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 real bummer that we have right now is that. Portland and this game were not good um, ways to tell what's actually happening, right? I mean, we could say that, yeah, these guys gave up possession a lot, but every player, even on Atlanta, gave up possession. Atlanta was better. Atlanta did lots of things better, but it was always going to be ugly. So giving up, you know, if someone was passing into, that's because the ball was was going on freaking an inch of snow on Mm -hmm. a cement rubber mixture. So so that's a really frustrating thing where it's like, I still don't know. I still don't think I know what Rasmus Schuller can do. Um, I think that there's moments of okayness. I haven't seen him be particularly impressive. No. But I will also say, though, when you have Schuller and Saeed, and, and Saeed isn't drifting out to the left wing, um, they do very similar things on the pitch. And so having the two of them and Warner, I think that's clogging a lot of the midfield. And I think with a lot of the expansive football that Heath wants to play, it's got to be a 4-4-2. 
You know, yeah. it's it's got to be something where it pushes, whether it's like Alex is saying, Ibarra, or you put in Kadri. You know, it's got to be something that's just more open it's, so that Schuler can actually do his thing and Warner can plant. If it and, makes you feel better, you can call it a 4-2-3-1. But yes, it's a 4-4-2. You know, you, you've, got, yeah. you've got either Miguel or Kadri on the left. You've got uh, Molino on the right. You've got Johan behind uh, Christian. That was not happening. I, I agree with you, Alex, that we've seen this. Uh, the only games that we've played this type of thing, with the, it hasn't worked. Um, and so that's pretty darn frustrating. I will also I, say, uh, Alex, go ahead. Well, uh, to me, it just these lineups feel to me like uh, Heath lost his nerve a bit. Um, and, and what I mean by that is that he has opted in these with playing Taylor and with playing Saeed, um, he has opted for experience and sort of, he's opted for veterans. Um, and that's not always necessarily a bad thing, but it hasn't worked out well for us here because I think it's been the wrong players. And I think that it has led to us not having the kind of attack that really puts the fear of God into other teams. I think that we, I mean, we have all these fast attacking players, but we really haven't seen them deployed in a way that lets them run at or behind defenses. And we keep, I mean, we keep taking shots, but the, the defense is already set and there is defenders between our shot and the goal. When other teams are hitting us, they're getting in behind our defense. They're getting and, and in behind I, I just, our midfield. I, I'm pretty sure all all six goals came on the counter. Basically, yes. we turned yes. the ball over and they they came. But we why need to are put, we trying to play possession soccer? Well, we what need I to will put say, other teams under pressure with our attacking. If we play sure. conservatively, it it's not. It's just we're just passing it around and then losing it, and boom. Sure. I mean, the, but that comes down to it's not the fear of God to, to, to borrow a phrase that you used, Alex. It's respect. I think that's part of it. Is and and we've known this going into the season. Minnesota seemed like an underdog in every single game in their thirty-four game slate because no one knew what to expect with this core. You're not necessarily looking to be like, look at all these players. We're going to be the ones on the back foot if you're an opponent. Um, what you have to do is you have to say, okay, they're going to come to play. It's going to be a tough game. That is the bare minimum of a good competition is that they respect who they're playing against. And Atlanta looked like they knew that they could let Minnesota take 50-55% of the ball and then pass it around, whatever. They would turn it over eventually, or they'd have a shot go off frame, and they'd immediately... They played with the snow better than Minnesota did. That's what it comes down to. Minnesota didn't change their game plan from 1-2. to two. Atlanta looked, and they said, okay, we aren't going to be able to pass it through the midfield, so we are going to boot it over Jeff Lorenowitz and turned him into a third center back, which I thought was a brilliant move by Tata Martino. And then instead we're going to bypass them. We're going to boot it over to Assad or Almaron or Vialba. And we're going to have Joseph Martinez run in between the center backs and score. And they did it. I think they had eight shots on goal and they scored six. That's incredible. The way that Atlanta play is they play their fullbacks almost suicidally high up the pitch. Tyron Mears and Greg Garza been most of the game in the opposing half. And so there are two ways you can do that. Either you can respond to that. You can play more people out on the wing and play super defensive. You, well, there's a third way. You can play super narrow and, and tight in your own box. And and the other way, which is the way that we as a 
roster are built to do is to force those defenders to go back by constantly making runs in behind them and exploiting that space. And we did none of that. We weren't set up to do that. We had Mohamed Saeed on one side. He's not that kind of player. And and Molino's a guy who's going to check back for the ball. Same mm-hmm. same with uh, Johan. You know who the guys who are not going to necessarily check back for the ball? Josh Gatt and Miguel Ibarra. And yeah. Bashkim Kadri, um, yeah. And so... I think uh, so. That's tactics. That's Heath. That's et cetera. I do think that we have to talk about, and I'm I'm thinking about it in particular because Paul Tenorio um, wrote this article for four four two that people should go read, um, called Out of Their League, and he hits it right on the head. What we've been talking about, um, which is that you have this team that. Everyone is looking around, all these GMs, all the people who have been talking to Grant Wall and t- saying these things, and they're, they're saying, like, why are they going with, A, um, their pre-NASL talent, or B, these foreign Scandinavian guys, when there's the Michael Parkhurst. There's, you know, Dax McCarty was only 400000 in GAM. Yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? Dax McCarty would instantly change his team and, and solidify. Of I, I course. Mean, the The... And and maybe not all of these players they could have gotten, but there's so many players that they could have pulled in that were MLS quality. And I think you could go too far and rely too many on uh, on these kind of older players. But we didn't get any of them. Colin Warner's the closest thing, and Colin Warner is still he's 29, yeah, not even. Um, and he's a little bit of a journeyman. He's not. They, there was no Michael Parkhurst in this of in terms of a an established quality veteran, even if he's old. Yeah, and and that's the frustrating part. Uh, this team was assembled way too late, and you've got. Uh, I mean, why is Bernardo Anyor on this team? And that's well, because they made the decision to sign him way last year. Yeah, well, a, a few things here. First, to touch on the point of the NASL guys, the NASL guys aren't playing, so it's not their fault. Um, whether that means that because you signed this NASL guy on your Ibsen, whoever you want to name, that means that you didn't sign another MLS guy, fine, but we never saw that guy even come in on trial. So I, I don't think you can necessarily even say that they're like squatting in someone else's place because we don't know whose place it could have been. And with the sort of timeline, I couldn't even name more than five names of players who were linked to Minnesota in the off season um, with MLS experience that we didn't report. Fair enough. Um, but if you're looking at these Scandinavian players or players who played in Scandinavian leagues, those aren't <clears throat> leagues that necessarily they're coming from a like a higher stock than what MLS is. MLS, uh, we've talked about this with a few people, MLS is competitively, once you factor in travel, factor in the stadiums, factor in atmosphere, ability of players, it's a top six or eight league in the world. And that, that means, by definition, that only five or seven are of the same caliber or better, and the Scandinavian leagues aren't in that list. Well, as I've, I've had multiple conversations with people, and they, they keep on coming back to me and saying, name one Scandinavian who's succeeded in MLS. Right. And, yeah. It's tough. It's really tough. Because there's... There's not many. There's getting by and there's success. And if you're looking at a team, the Scandinavian trip, I will say, that was a good move. I don't think that was a waste of time. I don't think that that should have been the marquee trip as you're building the roster. And I think that's something that the two of you, I mean, Wes is at least nodding his head. Alex is probably, I don't know, playing Mario Kart 64 or something. But um, 
if that was the main bank of talent here, and if we don't have more reinforcements coming before the roster freeze or more players coming in during the summer transfer window when a lot of the European leagues have players leaving on a free, like a Danny Williams, for example. It, Ride that Danny Williams dream you, train. It's never happening. But. You better damn believe it because we missed out on Dax McCarty. I think that's a perfect analogy. If you look at Kevin Molino was 650000 in allocation money to combined. Dax was 400000 Let's talk about Tim Ream. Let's talk about Tim, Tim Ream. Tim Ream was available. Well, Tim Ream's agent was very affirmative that Tim Ream was not coming to Minnesota when I talked to him. So, Well, he was. that was that Minnesota is not interested. Fair. But uh, Tim Ream isn't a player who's turning this team from five-goal deficits into one-goal deficits. You put Tim Ream next to uh, Calvo, I yes, absolutely. We're only losing two. That starts one. in the midfield. And I think a lot of that comes with the shape. That's just that's what it comes down to to me. I think that Tim Ream and Dax McCarty and this team is not losing. Of course uh, th- not. This team is is way different. Of course not. But that's at what cost as well. And I will a little credit where some credits do. <laughs> well, compared to who? Because that yeah. that comes at cost of someone else. The attack I think is actually set up for success. The times Alex talked about this with players taking shots at the crossbar, counterattacks, whatever else. When the ball gets into the attacking third, fans are at the edge of their seats, and it looks like things can happen. The trifecta of Johan Venegas, Kevin Molino, and Christian Ramirez looked dangerous, with a capital D. I honestly believe that that is what it should stick with. I think that you throw in a fourth, like Alex said, whether that's Kadri, whether that's Ibarra, whether that's Gott. Whatever it takes, I think that you have someone else in there. And I think that then you can put in two goals. And if you're able to score multiple goals in a game... It greatly, this is this is like Yogi Berra levels of simple, but it greatly yeah, increases yeah. your chances of succeeding in a single match. I, so let me ask you guys a couple of questions. These are Twitter questions because uh, we got a, a crap load. And, and I mean, they were all basic variations of WTF, but this is from uh, Scott Campbell. So is Greenspan so bad or hurt that he can't crack the lineup on the back four? Why not pick Watts or McMath instead? This is talking about uh, in terms of the we got Greenspan in the oh we didn't get him in the expansion draft, right before the expansion we, draft and, yeah. and part of that trade um, from what I heard at least was that um, if we took Greenspan for the third round pick in the the twenty seventeen uh, super draft then we wouldn't take Jared Watts who was left unprotected uh, we didn't take McMath because he was protected so there's no way that we could have um, but I mean that that does boil down to then Greenspan or Watts. Um, but, but Alex, maybe tell me about this back line, you know, uh, we're obviously going to see some changes for, for Colorado. Does that mean, uh, Joe Greenspan, uh, or Coleman or what, what does that mean for the back line? Is Davis back in Viva getting a start or is, do we get decent again? Well, I think, I think Tiesen will, will play the rest of the season as until he gets hurt. I, I think he, essentially playing pickup soccer the other day he was not bad and i think that he'll lock down their right back spot um coleman was the most impressive of the reserve defenders to me in preseason i think that he's probably ahead of greenspan that doesn't mean greenspan's bad i i expect to see greenspan at some time this year because we'll have calvo off on gold cup duty etc um davis i hope is back um uh, there's nothing that got me more annoyed in the Sunday game than Miguel Almiron's volley goal from the top of the box where Jermaine Taylor started jogging instead of trying to block it. And you, whatever you say about Justin Davis at this level, 
he is going all out for for the club and for the team, and I'd much rather see that than see another Jermaine Taylor game at left at anywhere. Yeah, and so, all right. So then the next question I'll go to is R.C. Moore saying uh, thoughts on playing Viva Coleman Calvo. Davis in the back four as a fix for defensive chemistry. Can't be worse, any worse, can it? And this was like one of five uh, can't be any worse, uh, can it, uh, <laughs> tweets I get, which then I tweeted. Which, um, by the way, is my usual line at a yeah. bar when yeah. I'm trying to pick up a woman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it literally can be worse. I, I mean, we said, can it get worse after Portland? It got worse. And so, I mean, uh, we play Colorado next week, so the likelihood of Kevin Doyle scoring three goals or... Uh, looking near the goal is is unlikely, but the way we've been playing, I don't know. But but this this question of at least if you went with the NASL guys, we'd have more chemistry. I, I also saw many, including a, a Jake Ruder, saying that who is not Jeff Ruder. Yeah, not definitely not Jeff Ruder. Um, saying that the NASL team would beat this team. I think that this is patently false, but uh, Alex or Jeff, I don't know. Well, the uh, NASL team wouldn't beat this team, but I do think that. I I I think that there's something to the fact that um this this clearly a lack in chemistry in the back line. Um I think that I've already said that I want Coleman and Davis to play, so um I'm halfway there, I guess. Um it's, it is very clear that I mean most of the several of the goals were you could see different guy, members of the back line doing different things. Some pull, pushing up uh, to to do the offside trap and some not following through, etc. Um, th- there's clearly a lack of chemistry, and I, I think that that's true. And I, I, you know, the article that I'm going to be publishing uh, this week in part just looks at these next three games and says you've got Colorado away, you've got New England away, and then you've got Real Salt Lake at home April 1st. The primary goal should be getting nil-nil draws. For the next two weeks. Like that would be, if we get a nil-nil draw next week, I will be, I will take off my shirt and run through the streets. Holding um, you to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, and then Real Salt Lake at home, they have to win that game. And I don't mean to say it's like a must win at this point, of the, but I mean that they just need to, that's a, a winnable game. It's at home and... That's the first game. I think these two next games are going to be tough, and that's the first game I think that I would look at and say, yes, if you want to prove that you're not a shitty team, go out and do it against a team that is also a bit struggling. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm still, and 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 I hear what you were saying before we went to to Twitter about about the sort of roster construction and. I, I, I get a lot of that, but I still think that the, this team should be competitive, and it should be competitive as it is. And I, I, I mean, it's certainly not. I think we can all agree that it is certainly not a team that should be or or will lose six one five one every week. Um, I, Boy, I, I think I, 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 I mean, it I comes down to tactics have, to me. Have, to now me, you got these in there. But you started a season without two starting fullbacks, and that is patently crazy to me. Uh, and you started a season with two brand new center backs to the league. I, I, I mean, and then you say that, like, if I look at that midfield, I think, boy, that's a lot of 
okay players. You know, Warner, Saeed, Martin, Ibsen, etc. Oh, they all have positive qualities, but none of those is... I, I would take quite a few starting midfielders from around the league and say, yeah, I'd start them in, in a second. I mean, I, I don't think that these guys are starters on just about any team around the league. No? I think it's more... I, 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 un, until I see... Um, the the kind of the way the team set up the way I want it to be set up, and, and if I see that happen and it fails miserably, then I'll concede the point. But I think that the way that we've been set up is so wrong to me. It it I I feel like we're playing with a handicap. I mean, I I really uh, I I think that if if you set up players in the wrong positions, if you set them up poorly. Even good players won't look like they know what That's they're true. doing. I think and, and, and I, I, I think agree. That I think just, that we're we're just emphasizing different aspects of this, and I I totally agree with you. You should be able to set up this team and get a nil nil draw, and maybe even pull a one. You should be able draw. to score. Our, we have great attack. You yes. should be able to pull a two two draw. But, I'll take that. But we but the priority needs to be not emphasizing that attack. The priority needs to be get get this crap locked down, and then maybe if you get a goal. But the problem is, I think that we think we can play this. You know, we're going out there, we're trying to possess the ball and passing it around. And the problem is, the second we turn it over, then oh my god, what the what the fuck? And you get people like Demidov had a like thirty yard slide. He was just, dude slip and slided down the hill in his uh, sinking swimsuit for that first goal. So what you're saying, Wes, to clarify is. Like a man in too tight of shorts at a gym, you need to do some squats and focus on your behind. That's what you need to do? Focus on the backside? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> you put that so eloquently. You're welcome. <laughs> let's, let's, let's move, move on. on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I want to I talk about Alfie a little bit because uh, we got this question from Pi- the Pioneers um, supporters group, I think. Uh, and they say, Alf, uh, Alfberger looked dreadful. Reflection of a poor team performance or do we have a problem between the sticks? Uh I mean, the first thing is that he's injured for one to three weeks uh, with with this kind of. Um, what, did he get spiked in the knee? Yeah, he took the by Taylor. Yeah, he got spiked. It, oh, it looked to me like the ball hit him in the chest, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Why is this injury?" I thought he just got the wind, but anyway, so he's out one to three weeks. So we're going to have Mrs. But- Buttersworth in there um, with Bobby. Uh, so, but w- was Alfie that bad? It's tough to say because I, I think a lot of those things you look at, like you said, there are counterattacks, which means the defense is caught with their pants down. And so unless you're going to be like a miraculous like reflex goalkeeper like a Nick Romando or a Luis Robles, like if you can't be that kind of goalkeeper, then of course you're going to have these players like Almaron, like uh, Joseph Martinez, who are going to be able to pick their spot. And it's going to be incredibly tough, especially when they're coming at you with blistering pace. I, I just don't. I looked at all those goals, and I don't see any of those that he should have saved. None that he should have. He could have. He could have done better. Of anyone, but like one limb could have flailed. I think at a forty-five degree angle instead of a fifty degree angle. Four, That's it. I think f- at least four of them were one-on-ones, weren't they? I'm yeah. To think Miguel from the top of the. Uh, top of the box that was yeah i, I mean it, so it, what it boils down to is uh we haven't gotten a good read on whether or not Elfburger has had a fair shot um so hope he has a quick recovery hope he has a full recovery 
And assuming he does and he goes back between the pipes, I hope the defense is better set up so that we're able to actually get a sense of what he has. Because remember, he's here on a six-month loan, and then Minnesota has either a purchase option or he goes back. That's not That doesn't bring you through the full season. So they do need to make a decision sooner than later about whether or not they think he's the starter. And you can't make that kind of decision if he's either left without a cohesive defense in front of him or if he's on the bench with a knee injury. Okay, I agree that he has been left out to dry, obviously. That said, I think his form is really... I haven't liked it since the moment I saw it in the first games in Portland. He makes so many movements with his feet and his hands that are not productive to stopping the shot. And I think that he is not particularly good on crosses and in aerial balls. So I, I personally, I think he sounds like a wonderful person, but I he don't, likes Lechman, he has good taste I don't music. Yep. think he is the goalkeeper that we need. And I mean, just in general, I think I've said this already on a podcast, but I am so confused by the way that this team has handled goalkeepers, not just this year, but in the past couple of years. So one of the first signings we made was was Marius Ravda as a goalkeeper coach, and then, of course, never announced it. But it was one of the first signings we made, which I think is a very good hire. But what? who is he coaching? You know, he, he's dealing with goalkeepers who are 34, 29, and 28. They all have their habits. They all have their styles. They all are very close to finished products as goalkeepers. I mean, why, what... What is the point of having who who is the like who is the future who in two years who is the goalkeeper of this team next year who is the goalkeeper of this team it I don't I don't even Kyle know who Eliasson. the goalkeeper of this team yeah. will be at the end of this season yeah yeah who is uh, who is the franchise future goalkeeper of this team we let Cody Cropper go to New England where he's now starting and we have the guy who would have backed him up this year you know we let Sammy and Jock go and I get that Sammy and Jock has tons of mental issues. Um, he makes tons of mistakes, but you know, we made a determination, I guess that he couldn't improve with this kind of coaching and we got someone else much older and I think not as athletic. Uh, uh ten, 10 second question for you here, Alex. I don't to, understand it. The section as we're uh, talking about, uh, Vancouver specifically, this is going to go back to a Slack channel discussion of ours a while back. Who wins in a hot dog eating context between you and Eric Hurtado with no context for the listener. I just want to hear your answer here about Eric Hurtado. I really don't like Eric Hurtado, but he scored this week. So I'm not sure if I can talk about him. That's why I'm bringing it up this week. Uh, <laughs> um, w- basically the short of it is in a Slack discussion. Wes is kind of staring off into space. Like he doesn't remember this one. Um, we were talking about how, if I ever win the lottery or have a stupid amount of money, I'm going to pay to have a hot dog eating contest between you and Eric Hurtado for absolutely no particular reason. Alex chief would win that. He's got the skinny guy thing going. I think but Eric Hurtado has the whole athlete. That's the uh, practice. No, <laughs> it's, it's always the skinny guy. Fair enough. So, uh, Alex... Cheeseburgers. Cheeseburgers Hurtado's got you. Okay. I think that we can agree, <laughs> agree on that one. Um, let's, what's the next Twitter question? No, let's questions. just take a break. We'll come back and cleanse our palate, and then we'll come back with some... some there's The other Twitter questions are, are less uh, specific, so we'll, we'll take a break and come back. Thank you. 
Welcome back to the 551 podcast. Uh, edited out of this podcast was our angry continuation of the goalkeeper conversation, which <laughs> thank God for you, or you can thank God uh, that you don't have to listen to it anymore. Uh, Twitter questions. Let's go with this one uh, first, which is from Adam Jarvie. Uh, you might remember him. Do you want to turn? No, 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 no. Read the full name now because he changed his name, and I think that he wants to hear you say his full name. Adam Yilkusi Jarvi. He's been uh, so. I will tell you since last week when Adam Jarvi was on the podcast with Katie. Thank you. We'll bring you guys back if for no other reason than I gave you a terrible introduction on the second take of our podcast. Um, Adam has been retweeted by a couple of clubs in Iceland, or sorry, Finland. And so he is going full finish with this whole thing. He had Minnesota as a flag. He yep. is all in, and so he's on brand. And what's his question, Adam Jarvey? Uh, well, predicted date of the first banner pulled behind an airplane, and what will it say? And this is a non-pro-rel for USA banner. Damn. Um, I am going to say July 4th, and it's against Columbus Crew, and it's going to say... Um, I want a pro rail for USA on the 4th of July. Nothing seems more patriotic to me than a plane flying a pro rail for USA banner. It, I'm just going to, I'm going to bend fast. I'm going to give you this idea. I know for he free. listens to this all the time while he's trolling everyone. Uh, just someone should have a banner that to say you should be relegated. <laughs> that would be funny. Oh my God. That would be the best pro rel. And uh, what day does that happen on? I don't know. I, I actually don't think that people start going. Well, I don't know. What if we go to July and we don't have any wins? Who knows? Yep. Uh, next question is from Jake Reuter. If an investor saves your favorite dinner. <laughs> diner. But, diner. But doesn't improve the menu and lets quality slide. When is it okay to stop being grateful? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Alex, do, do you have a, any thoughts on when it's okay to stop being grateful? I think it is, I think, uh, six months. Six months. Okay. That's a hell of a metaphor. And <laughs> Okay. I, I, just just to, to take that question a little bit seriously, I think it is perfectly fine to simultaneously say, yes, thank you, Dr. McGuire, and thank you all these investors for saving professional soccer. I'm very grateful to have a team. I also want a team... That is given. That gives me something to cheer for, and that comes from not just not just spending money on DPS. It comes from putting together a quality team, and I I think that the problem is not a spending problem. I would agree with that. So, yeah, it's not a it's not a problem of spending money. So I don't think it's a matter of 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 being uh, angry or, or disrespectful to the people to the people who helped save soccer, but. I think what it is is that uh, on this particular menu at the diner right now, it's just there are pieces there that you might think are taste good. There are some you think taste bad, but they're on the same plate, and you're trying to figure out what the best did, three course combo. Why is. didn't you put a burger on this menu for the diner? Why yeah. did you go? You were like, oh well, we could do that, but we want to be different. And it's you have like be, five different chicken strip baskets. It's yeah. only going to be tempura, lutefisk, and you know, a, a, if a, that doesn't exist, we we, we got to take that you on know tour. a sparkling Welch's grape juice uh, with an infusion of root beer. That's a great idea. Um, this question is from DJ. He says, are you wenger in or wenger out and why? I guess that's a question for me. That's it is the, just you. The photo I, I took of, uh, he was, the guy was only eight feet away from me in the stands and he had the, the wenger out, um, Hashtag sign. Wex I took it. it. Sorry. Hashtag wex it. 
Yeah. Wax it. And it was, uh, I took it and I put it on the internet and my Twitter machine has not stopped blowing up. And it's very funny because all these uh, British tabloids were just like totally getting all the facts wrong of saying like, oh, well, and then Minnesota went on to win 6-1 and just like making it look as if this was a protest. I got the impression that this was a guy trying to be funny. I thought it was hilarious, at least. Maybe. Oh, yeah. I, and I, I wish I knew who this guy was, who this mystery man was. It was hilarious to me. I thought, although, you know, he can keep the sign and just cross it out and put Heath. <laughs> uh, Alex, you're a, are you a goalkeeper by trade? Uh, yeah, for, for, the, for the notorious MCP uh, city planning team. Great. So this question comes to you from Daniel Mick, who asks, if a goalkeeper saves a penalty kick after letting in a terrible goal, does that make up for it? Nope. All right. Well, there you have it. Um, next question. Um, so what should the priorities be before Colorado for the front office in the next few months? What are the priorities here? It's from Eric Beckman. Forward? Yeah, Eric Beckman. I'm sorry. So Alex, what, what do you, other than don't talk about goalkeepers. <laughs> the priorities sh- um, should be a lot more scouting and getting the tactics right. I mean, but but like the the for the technical a lot more staff, scouting is not going to save you in the next. No, month. for the for the technical staff, it's about getting the tactics right. For the uh, player acquisition side of that, it's about the summer transfer window because I think that the team, regardless of my general faith in the roster that we have it's clear that there are improvements that could be made and the summer transfer window is when nico lodero comes in you can make big moves in that window and in fact it's probably the more fruitful of of all the windows so get ready for that that's what the team has to do jeff do you have any uh short what what's the one thing that you would do i'm putting justin davis back at laugh back okay (laughs) that's what i'm doing uh, Nick Braun, final question says, how bad do you think we have to be this season for Heath to get fired? Is it possible in one year with this team? This, this is the question that we had, you know, we talked to Alexi Lawless about it and he said, well, if it's a historically bad season, um, in general, I will say, I think, you know, we talked about all the problems in there. I think if Heath gets the full blame, he's the easiest one to can, right? And the easiest one, um, I think that that it's not fully his fault. But the problem is, who else? Who else? You need to. If we let's say we come out of this year with two wins, and we're just the, historically bad, someone needs to take the fall. It's not going to be Manny. Manny's earned his chance to to fail um, from what he's done. I think for I think he's earned his chance to to do whatever, and if that means fail, I, um, so it, I think it's going to be Heath if if it's that bad. Um, am I but, wrong? Uh, the, the, the question here, I think, is how bad would it get? Like, what, what's the what's the threshold? If it's they get under 20 points, fine. I get it. What if they are the worst team ever? What if they are DC United, whatever year that was, bad? Yeah. I, mean, I think the key in all these things is, it w- is, is, is not about the result, but it's about, is there improvement? So, Heath has... It was same with Orlando. He's come in and he's talked about a three-year plan. Okay, in Orlando, he didn't get to execute it, and I think right. that it's been reported a lot and it's been discussed. This, this was sort of meddling from the from the ownership, and and you know, he, I think he feels that he didn't get a free reign. Well, yeah. he's got that in Minnesota, 
And I, I think that even if the team is historically bad, if he retains the confidence of the front office and, and has a plan for how to improve it in the offseason, I think he will get another year. I think he is, as much as I have criticized what he's done so far in terms of tactics, I, I still am confident in him in the long run, and I think that that's what's going to matter ultimately. I guess what it comes down to me is in a league that doesn't have relegation, I don't really believe in firing coaches in less than a season just because like it does take more than two games to figure out what a coach's plan is or what a team's trajectory is losing 11 to two sucks. That is totally acceptable. And that's totally fair to react in every single way that I've seen a Minnesota United fan Twitter at the same point. It's not. This is not indicative. I've seen. I actually on on. I've seen people calling for him to be fired. I now, have too. Which I think is. <laughs> I have too. I don't think. But that's why? Reasonable. Well, no, and, no. And you agree, and and I think most people agree that two games is far too little to judge someone. Yep. But half a season, even it yeah. takes. It, it. I mean, if this roster mostly came together a month, month and a half ago, they're not going to know where they tend to run when they have open space. So if you talk about the simplest, the simple system that Adrian Heath likes to run, where you have two or three decisions to make it every time, not everyone knows that yeah. yet. And and let, let me let me disclose on this, which is that if there is a plan, if and there obviously was some sort of plan, right? Everyone, front office, ownership, I assume that there's a plan uh, out there. Um, then you need to have faith in that plan, and you need to give it time to to get it right. If unless you think that was a bad plan, and then you need to figure out where do we put the blame for creating a bad plan? Yeah, and or where or what was wrong with the execution? Is is it? Do we blame just Heath for how he's done? He executed that was the problem. I think that that's sure. If you walk out of that last road trip to Los Angeles and San Jose, and you've got twenty players in your office and your many Lagos or Amos McGee, and they're all saying we had no idea of where the season was going over the entire season, fine. But if they all said, "Look, we just we didn't have the pieces we need, and if with a couple more fixes, I think we'll be fine." Of course, you give Adrian another year. It, it's not going to be the the fun thing to hear right now because, of course, again, these two first results suck. Yeah, straight up. But it's going somewhere. And I think that we've all agreed that we've seen moments fleeting, but we've seen moments where it's been encouraging over the first two matches, and that's just going to increase with time. And if it doesn't increase with time, then we'll talk. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you've come to the point where if you've if you're, the steering wheel has turned ever closer and closer to the railing to try to send you over to straighten it off, you're about to uh, be able to put on... Uh, Wait, wait, don't tell me, or something like that, and, and recover. Uh, Jens Lechman. <laughs> yeah, Jens Lechman. Uh, we're at the end. Uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, my name is Wes Berdine. I've got Jeff Ruder and Alex here. Uh, we are on Twitter. I won't go through it again. Uh, please subscribe. Uh, we'll see you on in the comments section on the website. Uh, and uh, we'll see you, I don't know, at an away game or um, maybe on April 1st. Hopefully before then. Thanks. Thanks, everyone.